to, uh, I want to start off, I'm going to read a passage of scripture in John chapter 1, but before we do, I just want to mention uh, last, this past month in September, do you guys know we're in October already? Christmas is tomorrow. I don't know if y'all notice that. Um, feels like it. So September, we had Serve the Table month. Uh, Serve the Table was basically just a, an opportunity for us to recognize the, uh, you know, our table here at Four Corners is growing, and there's some opportunities for you guys to, to be a part and a volunteer. And so I, I want to celebrate uh, this past month. We had about, I think we had, uh, uh, last time I checked, about 22 people that had signed up to be a part of our serve teams uh, here at Four Corners. So we're thrilled about that. And in celebration, in true Four Corners table fashion, we're hanging out afterwards. Everybody's invited. We got cookies from uh, one of my favorite bakeries of all time, the Moonbake Shop downtown. I don't know if you've ever had anything from there. I think it's fitting since half the staff attends here. So... Um, we, uh, so we got a bunch of delicious cookies and drinks. That's for everybody. We're just going to celebrate um, uh, uh, this, this past month and what all God's doing here at Four Corners, uh, as well as the start of fall break. Anybody fall breaking it today? J yes, three. We have three fall breakers because the rest of them are fall breaking it. All right. I, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about this uh, coming up this next week. I, I do want to mention our series that we're starting this morning, um, uh, we, we finished one called God at Work, and so today we're starting a series called Encountering Jesus. Everybody say Encountering Jesus, which is fitting coming off of our Old Testament study of God at Work. We're going to fly straight into the Gospel of John. It's going to be good. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 1, beginning in verse 44, you can turn there. Um, the scriptures are also on the screen. We'll go ahead and begin. <clears throat> Verse 44, and Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. These are going to be disciples, all right? They're not yet, but they're going to be. And so Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets, Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. Verse 46, Nathanael responded, can anything from Nazareth be good? Philip said, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, here is a genuine Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, how do you know me? Jesus answered, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are God's son. You are the king of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I, actually, I was talking to some people uh, earlier this week, and they were like, why do, we, why do we say that at the end? Why do we, we're like, we're not doing, like, where does that, where does that come from? I, didn't, I actually didn't grow up doing that, and uh, there's a couple reasons we do that. First is it acknowledges kind of the practice of the church over thousands of years of, of basically, uh, uh, even in the Psalms, where we would look at the Scripture and look at what God has said and then respond to it. Uh, it it's, a, it's, a, it's a community thing. Uh, it also recognizes this is how God speaks. God speaks to us through his word, through the scriptures. And, um, and then the, the other reason is it just gives you a, a, an opportunity, a chance to be a part. Uh, and I don't have to do all the talking. So we kind of are going back and forth with it. All right. So that's, that's where that comes from. Uh, we, bring our, we bring our whole self into gratitude here for the word of the Lord. That's what that is. So um, 
Over the next several weeks and weeks, we're looking at different characters in John that have encountered Jesus. And um, better, better, maybe a better way to say it is uh, that Jesus encountered, encountered them because Jesus is actually always the one that takes the initiative. And so three, three things really that I hope happens, three places I, uh, that, that you know, I hope you would begin to encounter Jesus in a fresh way. The first one is in Scripture. Um, we're in the Gospel of John, so you could take the Bible and uh, start to read through John uh, some this, this month. And uh, on your own, you can take it with, maybe if you're part of a small group or a table group, you guys can start reading through John. But I, we, we, I want you to begin to encounter Jesus in the Scriptures. That's where he reveals himself to us. I, I also hope that you encounter Jesus um, uh, in, in opening yourself up to his presence. Just, just his presence on a, on, a, on a daily basis. John later in the gospel says about Jesus, it's, Jesus says, it's good that I go away because I'm going to send the Spirit. And he's going to come and be your helper, your comforter. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how it's good that Jesus goes away. But apparently, in Jesus' own words, he said, it's better that I do because then I can send the Spirit. So I, I want you to encounter Jesus in his presence. And then, the, and then the other one is um, just in participation in, in just the life of the church. Just encounter Jesus, whether it's, whether it's in, a, in a small group, uh, whether it's in coming to service here on Sunday mornings, uh, whether it's hanging out after church and eating some Moonbake Shop cookies. Just the participation of the life of the church. I want you to encounter Jesus. So... Uh, the narrative here in the text opens up with two questions in this passage. We're gonna, uh, I'm going to frame it, it, that, that I'm going to talk about, and it's really going to frame the entire book here. First, I want to I go backwards a little bit from the passage that we just read. The, the first, if you have your Bibles, you can see the first 18 verses of the passage of John is, is kind of like, um, like the opening of Star Wars you know, that, that, that opening, you know, crawl that goes through, and it just, it's this huge introduction. That's, that's 1 through 18. You can kind of read that on your own. Well, 19 is where we are, and um, it starts the first scene. And so this is where we are, uh, John chapter 1, verse 19. We're going to go back a little bit from the part that I just read about Nathaniel. It says, this is John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? Let's talk about John the Baptist. So you got two Johns here. John the Revelator, so he's the author here, and then John the Baptist, two different Johns. And so this is John the Baptist's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? Everybody say, who are you? So, sorry, I don't, I don't know why that hit me. Um, some of y'all are funny when y'all repeat stuff. I just want y'all to know that. All right, verse 20. So John confessed, he didn't deny, but he confessed, I am not the Christ, they asked him. Then who are you? And then they kind of go through, are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you, who? And he's like, no, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this. 22, verse 22, he says, they asked, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And so John replied, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Make the Lord's path straight. Just as the prophet Isaiah said, skip down to verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Skip down a little bit further, verse 33. He says, even I didn't recognize him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, the one on whom you see the Spirit coming down and resting is the one who baptizes 
with the Holy Spirit. So I've seen and testified that this is the one, this, is, uh, this one is God's son. So what John the Baptist is trying to communicate to the, the Pharisees that have come alongside that are asking, who are you? you? You have to tell us who you are. What he's trying to communicate, communicate is to say, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong, and when you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong answer. They're asking him the wrong question. It's, it's, um, uh, it's, it's like, you know, my, my kids just started school back uh, uh, a month or so ago, and uh, I guess we're looking at two months or so. How many of you guys ever, um, you've either asked this question or you've been asked this question coming home from school, so I just want you to know that's my trick to get all of you to raise your hand. Uh, you've either asked this question to yourself or you've been asked this question, uh, how was your day? How was your day? Anybody ever been asked, how was your day? So y'all, some of y'all need more people in your life that is going to ask, how was your day? How many of you, your response was one word and it was good? Yes. Yes. All right. So here's the deal. I do the same, you know, all right, kids, how was, you know, how was your day? It was good. So I've learned this over time. Uh, parent lesson, some of, you, some of you new parents in here, parent lesson, um, you've got you to get specific. You can't say, how was your day? You're going to get good every time, or you may get uh, grunts, you know, if they're a little bit older um, or nothing. No, you got to get a little bit specific. So you say, you know, who, who, who did you play with at PE? Or who did you sit beside, you know, at lunch? Who made you laugh the hardest while you were, uh, you know, in, uh, in class? Or, you know, you, you, got, you get specific questions. Sometimes I can get the right specific question, and, and then they just open up, and it just, they just start going. And it just, it's, a, it's, a, it's nonstop. You got you to be specific. Same thing's happening here with John. He's saying, don't ask me who I am. Ask who the Messiah is. And so the next day, they're not asking the question, so he, go, he goes ahead and answers a question they're not asking. He goes, actually, here he comes. Here comes the Messiah. Here he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The first question that frames this entire gospel. Now, there's two of them. I'm going to tell you what they are. The first one is this. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Now, if you've been around church for a while, you, 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 you may be like, oh, I, I know that answer. In fact, I use that as the answer for all the questions. When anybody asks me, when I was in church growing up, they would ask the question. In, uh, anybody go to Sunday school when you were little? They ask the question. You want to, you want to know the right answer? Trick answer every time. What is it? Jesus. Jesus. Amen, guys. Yes. Jesus. Question John is asking here is, or that we should be asking is, who is Jesus? John isn't looking so much for the answer as much as he is inviting us into a deeper journey. He wants people to ask not, who is John the Baptist? No, I'm not this. I'm not this. I'm not this. I'm this. It doesn't matter. I have to decrease. He must increase. It doesn't matter who I am. You need to ask the right question, who is Jesus? And so then he goes through and he just starts listing all these titles. If you get in that first chapter and you start looking at the titles that, um, that are given, he gives off a ton of them. He starts off, he's called um, Lord and King of Israel. Lord and King of Israel. He's He's identifying Jesus with the God of the Old Testament, of Yahweh. Now, now, now this king is coming into our space and time. He's the Lord and King in Israel. Um, the Lamb of God. Lamb of God. We, several weeks ago, we talked about the sacrificial lamb, the suffering servant of Isaiah. He's foreshadowing Jesus' sacrificial death that we all know is going to happen, but they don't know at the time. We know because we've, we've kind of, we got the book. We read the book. 
Third one is a spirit baptizer. He's described in the passage above as Jesus as the one on whom the spirit descends. He, he rests like a dove. He remains on him. He doesn't just have the spirit, but he baptizes people in the spirit of God. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one that all the prophets talked about, the Old Testament foreshadowed about. He's going to be like a, like a new Moses who sets us free. He's Rabbi, he's teacher. He's teaching us the, the way to eternal life. He's the son of God. He's the son of Joseph. He's from Nazareth, which is kind of like this, this nobody's town. We'll talk about that in a minute. He's from Nazareth, but he's from a real place. In other words, he's fully human and fully God. It's this, this paradox that John wants us to know about. But he's also the son of man. This is the only one Jesus gives to himself, the human one. So in other words, Jesus is the one whom God is sending, God himself, who's coming to bring life and renewal to the world. So who is Jesus? John sits here and gives us this list. You can, you can look at the list on there. You can see who Jesus is. And this is why John is inviting us to ask the question, who is Jesus? But it's not about getting the right answer, the right knowledge. It's not about head knowledge as much as it is about relational knowledge. So it, it, it's not about answers, it's about intimacy. It's not about knowing the, the answer to the test, the, the, the bullet point, the, you know, you, you get this, you get this multiple. Um, multiple choice test from Jesus. You know, okay, is, you know, is he the, the Lord and King of Israel, A? Is he the Lamb of God, B? Spirit baptizer, C? Or D, all of the above? And you're like, D, he's all of the above. I got it. Check mark. I got that right. It's, it's, not the, it's, not the, it's not the answer. Head knowledge, it's about relational knowledge. So what do you do when you want to know something? When you, when you want to know something, what do you do? <clears throat> you Google it, Right? Yeah, you, you, you Google it. You go, you, 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 and so there's a difference, though, in knowing about something and knowing something. Man, I, I, I've Googled, man, I've, I've, I've Googled a lot of answers, a lot of answers. I can know about something. It doesn't mean I know, I know the thing. I, a couple months ago, I, my, my car uh, broke down. I needed a new alternator. Uh, Google told me that, and... Uh, so I went on YouTube, and I was like, I can do this. I can change out this alternator myself because I've got Google and YouTube. And I went on to YouTube University, and um, I studied, and I learned. And, uh, and I went out there, and I realized I don't know entirely. Like, I was pretty confident about myself. I didn't know entirely that I could. So um, uh, I went to my neighbor, and I just was like, will you help me, please? And uh, he was like, yes, again, Joel? Yes, I will. And um, so, uh, so he, 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 I said, look, I think it needs a new alternator. And so we look at it. And, and now he's the guy, like I knew about it, but he actually, he actually knew it. He, he knew. And so he goes, all right, here's the deal. Here's what's going on. Tells me what goes on, uh, what's going on with it. And I was like, okay, so now I know, like, so what are we going to do about it now? And he's like, I guess we'll fix it. So uh, we fixed the alternator, and by we, I held the flashlight, and it was fixed. And, uh, 
There's a difference between knowing about something and, and knowing something. About a month later, my car has been just doing this, this screaming noise when you crank it. It's just like, just yelling at people. Just, I'm talking like this fierce growl. I cranked that little, it's my gray car. And, and I would crank it, and it just yell. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so I was like, what do I do, Lord, with my broke down car? And uh, so I Googled it, and, uh, and then I went to my neighbor. And I said, do you think we can do this? And he Googled it. And he said, this is too much for us. I know about this, but I don't know this. So I took it to the shop, and $3,000 later, we got the car fixed. There's a difference between knowing about something and, and knowing something. Jesus is inviting us here to not just know about Jesus, but to have a, a real relationship. That's why Jesus doesn't just preach in the book of John he encounters people. That's what this series is. We're going to look at encounters with Jesus. First words of Jesus when people meet him aren't, he doesn't just look at them and immediately go, I know what you've been doing. <laughs> like, he doesn't just immediately go, okay, all right, Joel, now open your Bibles. That's, isn't, that isn't Jesus' relationship with people. They have these encounters because he, he's not looking for head knowledge. He's looking for knowledge, relational knowledge. John chapter 1, verse 35 says this. The next day, John was standing again with two of his disciples, all right? John's got, John the Baptist has his own disciples, by the way, and these are two of them. When he saw Jesus walking, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard what he said, and then they left John and followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following, he looked at them and he said this, what are you looking for? The first words on the lips of Jesus aren't, hey, I see that you're following me. Now, now let me tell you about myself, or now let me tell you all the things you've done wrong. Or let me The first words are, what are you looking for? What do you want? What, what do you want? There's, John likes to use like double meaning all the time throughout the text. And so there's kind of two things going on here. There's a, there's a surface level, like Jesus is walking, and he's strolling along the beach um, of the river here. And I guess he's probably by himself, I don't know. And then he turns, and there's two, there's two guys following him. And so he looks, and he just kind of, you know, he kind of hurries up a little bit, kind of speeds up a little bit, and he looks, and they speed up with him. And so Jesus turns a corner, and then they turn a corner, and he turns around, and he finally turns around, and he goes, what do you, what do you want? <laughs> like, why are you following me? There's that meaning there, but there's also a little bit deeper meaning also. There's a... Um, there's an underlying meaning. He's asking this, what are, you, what are you looking for? What are you longing for? Why are you searching for me? Why are you searching for me? So those, those are the two questions that we're looking at today. Who is Jesus and what are you longing for? These two questions are, are, are bound together. They're tied together because, because what you long for Jesus to do in your life is directly connected to who you believe him to be. Who is Jesus? What are, you, what are you longing for? So what happens when we encounter Jesus? If you're taking notes this morning, I've got a, a couple quick notes on encountering Jesus. The first one is this. We're invited. We're invited. What happens when you encounter Jesus? We are invited to abide. Everybody say abide. Abide. It's, it's a, that's, a, 
That's a favorite word. Anybody have a, like, like a favorite word? You always find yourself like it, it just, it, it, it comes out all the time, like when you're talking or texting or whatever. I've found myself, uh, I mean like a good favorite word. Y'all, y'all are, some of y'all are talking, you're like, oh, I know your favorite word. No, <laughs> no, I, I've, I've got in the habit of saying the word however, all right? And it's, I've started to annoy my own self. I don't even know where it came from. It just, I'll be talking and then I'll be like, however, on, other, on the other hand, I'm like, what am, I, what am I doing? I'm just preaching to myself, to humans, uh, whatever. So John has a favorite word in his, in his uh, gospel. One of them is abide. You can see it a couple different ways. Abide, remain, or stay. Kind of all mean the same thing. Abide. Some of y'all uh, are familiar with the text, John 15. Jesus is talking. He says, abide in me, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. He says it like a thousand times. So John's, John's, one of his favorite words here is um, abide. So John chapter 1, verse 38, when Jesus turned and saw them following, he says, what are you looking for? What do you want? What is it? That, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? He replied, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The disciples responded to Jesus Question with a question, you know. That's the, that's the classic. That's what you're supposed to do, right? You, somebody asks you a question, you respond with a question. You, you know, they're trying to one-up the master here, I guess. Um, actually, when Jesus says, what are you longing for? What are you wanting? What he's saying is, um, what their response is, is where are you staying? It's, a, it's, a, it's actually an, an, an offer of, of hospitality. They, what they're saying is, Jesus, we don't want this encounter with you to end. The word there, um, the word used there is to abide or to say is uh, minnow. Minnow. It's, it's repeated all throughout the scripture. It, it means to, to stay or to rest or to remain. John uses it all the time. He uses it a little bit later, verse 32, when it says that Jesus was baptized and he saw that the Spirit came down and remained on him. The Spirit. He, John wants us to, to, to know there's something going on here. And so from the very beginning, the disciples say, We want to we stay with you. We want to remain with you. We want to abide with you. They don't even realize the deeper longing that's coming out. That, that same core longing is in all of us, whether we realize it or not, to abide, to remain, to stay with God. It's in the disciples, and once they encountered Jesus, there was something that, that clicked in them. It was a switch that went off. It was a, it was a, it was a longing that had begun just at the very beginning to be, to be reached, a soul longing. Some of you guys have experienced that before. Some of you all that have, that have walked with Jesus, you can look back and you can remember the moment that you began to first, that, that Jesus first encountered you. Maybe that's a better way to say it. And you can remember, you were like, something switched, something changed, something, there was an invitation. There was, I, wanted, I wanted to lean in. That's what's going on here. I wanted, to lean, I wanted to go further, I wanted to lean in. But what's cool here is it's not just for, it's not just for one disciple. You can see that it's actually there's two disciples. The invitation of Jesus isn't just to come by yourself, but, but together. In, in other words, Jesus isn't calling just a disciple, he's calling Disciples, this is Jesus' way of building like his, we could call it a classroom, but it's his learning community. It's a, it's a, 
his disciples, learning how to build their entire lives around Jesus. My, my, my favorite season, you may have a favorite season. My favorite season is fall. Yeah, it's a coincidence, right? We're going straight into it. It is, I love fall. Oh my, there's so many reasons, all the reasons. Some of them have to do with college football. But I love, man, I just, I, I love fall. But at the same time, it's also one of the busiest seasons. I mean, you go, school starts, and then all of a sudden you're slammed with, you know, 37 holidays, and life picks up, and it just, the pace picks up, and it doesn't matter if you're a student or uh, if, you, if, if you're at work or you got these projects, uh, parents, it doesn't matter. Life picks up. And oftentimes, one of the first things that gets eliminated is, is what? If, if, if you're like me, it's space and time for abiding or remaining with Jesus. And so, 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 so what do you have to do? You, you, gotta, you have to slow down, slow down to be with people, slow down to, to abide. What happens is we just get going so fast, and so we, so it just comes out. You know, I'm man, I'm so slammed. I, I, I'm not going to be able to make it to this, or I'm so slammed. I, I'm not going to be able to come to small group. I'm so slammed. I'm not going to be able to meet up over here. I'm not going to be able to do this outreach. I'm not going to be able to do this. And and the challenge though is this: is the is is once we begin to discover who Jesus is, and we begin to discover that the deepest longings of our soul are only found in Him then there's this tension, this challenge, because where that invitation is, is to you, but it's not just to you, it's to us. And so God calls the us together, but then these really important things in life happen, and they're good things, and they're important things, but there's this tension. And then all of a sudden we have, we, and, and, and I'm, I'm 100% guilty of it, the time for remaining or abiding or staying, that just sounds slow, doesn't it? Even those words sound like it's slow life, and yet that's the invitation. That time begins to, uh, it, it gets drowned out with all the stuff. That's, that's, that's the challenge. And so when we encounter Jesus, one of the things that we realize is that we begin to, uh, we are invited to abide. The second one is this, we begin to bear witness. We begin to bear witness. Verse 40, one of the two disciples who heard what John said and followed Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And he led him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John, you'll be called Cephas, translated Peter. And so the next day, Jesus wanted to go into Galilee and he found, everybody say found, found Philip. Jesus said to him, follow me. And so Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets, Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. There's this connection between encounter and witness. Jesus encounters John the Baptist. Then John goes and tells the disciples, and then Jesus encounters those disciples, and then one of the disciples, Andrew, goes and finds his brother, Simon Peter, and then Jesus encounters Philip, and then Philip tells Nathaniel, and then Nathaniel is encountered by Jesus. I, 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 I love this. I, I love all this. This is some serious witnessing. This is serious evangelism. Y'all ever heard that word before? Evangel some of y'all that have heard of it for a long time, y'all are like, evangelism. Like, that could be, that's a loaded term. That could be a loaded word. This is, this is serious witnessing. What I love about this is that 
it seems like evangelism here is less about introducing yourself to somebody and be like, hey, my name is Joel. Do you know the Lord? And, do, you, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And do you know where you're going to go when you die? And you're like, they're like, what? I don't even, what is happening right now? Like, it, it seems less about closing a deal when it comes to witnessing or evangelism and more about preparing the way for somebody else's encounter. Every time somebody's invited and they're just, and they're just going, hey, hey, you know, is somebody sharing my faith? For me, it kind of takes the, the pressure off of me feeling like I have to have this big speech memorized all the time just in case, you know, I run into somebody and I'm like, you know, do, you, you know, do, do they know Jesus? Do they not? Instead, it, it, it takes the, the pressure off. Instead, there's this, this pattern of inviting people to experience and encounter Jesus themselves. I love this phrase. Come and see. Come see. Can anything good come from Nazareth? It's like, um, it'd be, <laughs> I'm scared to say this. It's like saying, did anything good come from Hazel Green? Like, is that like, I can say that. I lived in Hazel Green. I'm from Hazel Green. You're like, did anything good come from whatever? Think of the whatever, whatever town you look down on. All right. But there's, there's, it's, there's a hierarchy of, we do that in our own minds. Pe people do that, um, you know, all the time. Like maybe you're talking to somebody and uh, you're on a business trip and they go, where are you from? You go, I'm from Alabama. And they're like, they kind of give you this look like, you know, because they're from somebody, they're from somewhere special, you know, <laughs> like Ohio or whatever. And they're like, oh. And then you're like, but I'm from Huntsville. I'm from Huntsville. Do you, do you live in the greatest city on planet Earth to live in? Do you? I don't think so. No, I'm from Huntsville. So, so, we all, so this, this is what's happening here. This is, what, this, is, this is what's happening here when he says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Is there, is, can, it, can anything good come? Because it's, they're looking, he's, he, he can't, part of that has to do with Scripture showing us that Jesus is real and, and, and he, he came from a real place. And so the response is, well, just come and see. Come and find out. Come and see. You look down on Huntsville all you want. No, no, come and, come, why don't you come visit? Why don't you come hang out? And so instead, he goes, can anything good come from Nazareth? And he goes, why don't you come and see? Why don't you come meet him? Why don't you come experience? And so instead of going through all these things of the, of the boxes, the prophetic boxes that Jesus has checked off in his coming, instead, he just goes, why don't you go meet him? Why don't you come experience him? Why don't you encounter him? There's a, um, uh, there's a guy, a, a, a theologian, well-known theologian named Craig Keener. And um, he says this. He said, the, the disciples learned that the best witness is simply to introduce people to Jesus and then let him do the rest. I'm not arguing. I'm not convincing. I'm just saying, come and see. Why don't you come and see? Uh, Craig Keener was, um, he's written a lot of Bible commentaries. Uh, one of them, one of them is incredible. It's, um, uh, it's just called Miracles. It's a whole, it's a whole deep, serious, hardcore work on the miracles of Jesus, like all throughout the scriptures. And you get, and, and uh, it's, it's a, it, it's pretty amazing. Keener grew up, um, he was an atheist when he was younger. 
And uh, he, was, he was super smart. He was an intellectual. Uh, went to his mom at nine years old and said, Mom, uh, I, don't, I just want you to know I don't believe in God anymore. Uh, said he was kind of surprised that um, his mom didn't feel the same, actually, after all that they had gone through. And um, so Keener, Keener was a smart kid. Nobody could outsmart him. Uh, nobody, he, anytime they would get into arguments, he would, um, he would always win all the arguments. And then he would walk away. And you talk about walking away all kind of confident and smug and like, yeah, I got them. I, I, I got them. And so one time this was happening and he got in a conversation. There was a couple people and they were trying to witness to him. And um, he had gotten in this argument or discussion. I don't mean argument bad. I just mean they were just going back and forth talking about Jesus. And Keener just, he just, he just uh, uh, bowled right over, right, right over them. And so he leaves and he's like, you know, here, I, I did it again. I'm, I'm so much smarter. And he says, on the way home, something happened. He won this argument, but he began to experience uh, God's love walking home on his own, just walking. And he said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know exactly what was going on. And he said, it just kept getting stronger and stronger. And he said, by the time I got home, he said, I was overwhelmed with the presence of God, what I now know is God's presence. And so he said this, he said, God, if that's you, show yourself to me. And by the time he got home, he was experiencing the presence of Jesus in such a real way, he just gave his life to the Lord right there on his own uh, at home. This is, the, this is the power of an encounter with Jesus. Encounters with Jesus happen all kinds of different ways. Many of you in here have had different types of encounters. When you, uh, maybe if you're walking with the Lord, maybe you met God in a, in a pretty incredible encounter. This is the power of encountering Jesus. I love this story because the people that shared their faith with Craig Keener probably left thinking, man, I'm a failure. <laughs> I just tried to tell, I tried to obey, I tried to tell this guy about the Lord, and instead he just destroyed me. Have you ever felt like that before? Truth is this, the boldness of sharing their faith, this group that was sharing their faith, is what opened the door for Jesus to walk through and encounter Craig. That's what it was. You have no idea how much of an impact your consistent faith and boldness has on others. I have no idea. The third one is this. We discover that we are known, fully known. So John 1, verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said this about him. He's a genuine Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you're God's son. You are the king of Israel. So when he says, here comes a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit, he's referring to Jacob. You guys may remember a few weeks ago, I uh, preached a, a message on Jacob and his name meaning deceiver. And then God changing his name from Jacob to Israel. And Jesus is kind of uh, almost hearkening back to that by saying, here comes a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And then he says this, I love this. 
I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you under the fig tree. The fig tree is a few things here, but probably what's going on is this is probably the place that Nathaniel went where he would go and meet with God. He probably uh, did his devotions there. He probably said his prayers when he would pray by himself. He probably said his prayers there um, when he was alone. Uh, maybe some of you guys have your own prayer space. It was, it was a secret place. You know, maybe for you it's a, it's a, it's a chair in your house. Uh, maybe it's your office. Maybe it's uh, a certain time of day when you get in, the, in a car. It's a, it's a, it's a drive to work. It's, it's this place where you tend to go to meet with God. For me, it's my blue couch in my office. I got a little blue couch. I got on Facebook Marketplace. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love my blue couch. That's, that's, where, I can, that, that's where I can go to encounter God. And so what's wild is Jesus is here and he says, I saw you under the fig tree. And if you're just reading and you don't know what's going on, then, and, and then his response is, how do, man, how do you even know me? You, you are, oh, you're the son of God. What Jesus is saying and what John is communicating is this, is that he's the only one, Jesus is the only one that knows your deepest prayers, your deepest concerns, your deepest longings. The real you, the real you that's really there. I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you on that drive to work. I saw the tears coming down your face. I saw when you were in your office, at your, in your chair. I, saw, I heard what your prayers were. I saw where you were in each of those moments. I saw, I know what your deepest longings are. I saw that. And he didn't turn around and then give him a big answer. He just said, come be with me. Come be with me. This is who I am. This is who I am. There's a lot of titles here. A lot of titles. Who is Jesus? This is who I am. And then he's asking this question. What is it that you want? What is it that you're longing for? What is it that you're asking for? I want to pray for you this morning. If you would, if you close your eyes. It's it's so amazing that God knows so much more than where you are, but he knows what you long for. What you long for. So I want to pray for you today before we leave. Maybe you're in here this morning and you just say, you know, you, you hear this conversation about an encounter with Jesus and, it, and, it's, and it's hitting your, 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 your heart hard. It's, it, it, you're, it's registering with your soul in this moment. Maybe you remember when Jesus first encountered you and, you know, you're just overwhelmed with gratitude. God, I remember when you, I remember when you first encountered me. Or maybe you had an encounter with the Lord a long time ago, and since then you've, I don't know, maybe you walked away and you're wondering if you can come back. By the way, you can. You can. Or maybe you're, maybe you're not walking with the Lord right now, but you feel this invitation in your soul to stay longer. Stay longer. This is what the disciples, can we stay with you? Can we stay with you? Can we stay longer? Like the disciples asked Jesus, where are you staying? And he says, why don't you come and see? Maybe that's you this morning. You know Jesus is speaking to your soul, inviting you closer. If that's you this morning, you sense an invitation to come closer to the Lord. You know, you want to acknowledge that today. That's your prayer. Lord, I'm going to lean into this. 
whether it's a renewal, God, I've not, I've, I've not, but I want to now. Or you never have before. But that's your prayer this morning. Lord, I'm going to lean into this. I want to respond to your invitation to come and see. What is that relationship with you like? I'm going to, I'm going to enter in or I'm going to engage or I'm going to re-engage. If that's you, I'm not going to have you come up here. We're not going to do anything. Just as a confession to Jesus this morning, I'm the only one with my eyes open. If you would just raise your hand real, real high and you put it back down. I'm leaning back into this. I'm going to re-encounter. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? I'm leaning back in. Yes. Father, this morning, we thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus, light of the world. God, to give light to the darkness in our own souls that we can realize, we can recognize how desperate we are for you. Thank you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus, that we can have an encounter, God, that changes our lives and we learn what real eternal life is, full, whole, true life. And so, God, we respond today. Those that have raised their hand this morning, God, we respond today to your invitation to an encounter. So, God, I ask that you would begin to lay out the steps in front of us. Whatever that looks like, the next step. You said, come and see, and here we are. God, whatever that next step is, whether it's an invitation to be a part of a, uh, of a group here with the church, if it's an invitation to begin uh, meeting with you regularly in, in our, in, with our own uh, uh, devotions, in prayer, or it's reading the Bible, or it's be, whatever that journey is in this moment, God, I, be, I pray that you begin to make it clear to those in this room. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for what you're doing. Change our hearts and our minds. Make us more like you. Amen.